our bodies are messengers and these different uh, illnesses that we have, they're letting us know that something is out of balance. And for that, there's always something on the earth that, you know, plants or, or different things that we can do to bring ourselves back into that harmony. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. What a special show, but before anything, look, you took out the time in your day. You might be in your car, you might be in your bedroom, you might be brushing your teeth, you might be cooking breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Regardless, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to Heal Thyself for taking the time out of your day. What a show. I'm here to give you the goodies, all of the take-homes to better your life. I'm so excited about this guest. Look, you remember I went to the Amazon? If you didn't know, I went to the Amazon and I was living there for about a week and I was exposed to all the Amazonian medicines. I was putting my feet on the ground, looking at the sun, looking at the sun going down and really connecting to the indigenous people. I did ayahuasca there. It was very, very powerful experience, beautiful, but it was led by this wonderful guest, Florencia Friedman. Now she is so in tune with the nature of nature right, how we connect it to nature, and the way that she speaks about our connection to nature, our connection to plants. These are fundamental, fundamental connections that we have with ourselves in nature, and she's gonna tell us how we connect more to ourselves and nature, but also just the power of plants, the power of plant medicine, including her expertise in cacao. Now, you know cacao is one of the healthiest medicinals out there if you're using it in integrity and knowing how to get it. She's going to tell you how to get cacao. She's going to tell you about the power of cacao, the power of intentionality, and we're going to talk a little bit about creativity and imagination. That very thing, remember those words, those things that we lost when we were nice and young and we were painting all the pictures, climbing all of the trees, playing all the imaginary games? Well, what does it mean as adults to connect to that? And what's the utility in our lives when we're connected to that? Because when we are more imaginative and more creative, oh boy, we are really, really showing up in this world the way we're meant to show up, right? We usually get dampened and constricted by what life gives us. So I can't wait for this segment with Florencia and also the Heal Thyself Knowledge Bomb segment here. We're going to talk about the lesser star-studded organ of our body. Not many people talk about kidneys, but kidneys are so important. Kidneys and your urinary tract, how do we optimize, right? If you get UTIs all the time, if you have kidney stones, how are you optimizing your urinary tract? But really overall, what things do we need to stay away from and what things do we need to integrate into our lives to have the healthiest kidneys so we have a long, thriving, health-plentiful life, man. Kidneys, 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 can't wait to talk about it. So let's get right into the show. Hey, all right, everyone, look, I have a very special guest today. You know, a while ago, I went over to the Amazon and I did a whole deep spiritual experience. I connected to the indigenous. I did a little ayahuasca, which was very transformative. But this was all connected through this wonderful being who I have on the show today, Florencia Friedman. She is the co-founder of Cacao Laboratory. But deeper than that, she does this work where she's connecting humanity to the indigenous. She's a mediator to the indigenous to the world. She's the bridge to bring so much intelligent wisdom of nature back to us in humanity. So I couldn't help but be so excited to bring you, Florencia, to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. It's such a beautiful introduction and it's such an honor to be here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I listen, I, I couldn't play you up anymore. I mean, this is 
you got a place in my heart because my first time ever doing this medicine was with you. Yes, it was so special to share our birthday together and and share these amazing moments. I feel like the jungle, the forest just carries so much life and it's such a good like reset. Yeah, shout out two Leos in the house right now. So two Leos, August 2nd podcast over here is going to be on fire. Um, Let me start off by this question because we were talking off air. This is really important. Are so many of us sick today in society because we're so disconnected from nature? Absolutely. I feel that there's so much movement that is happening right now on the earth. We see this process of climate change that it's nothing that we need to prepare for. It's already here. So as that happens, we can see ourselves having a lot of different illnesses, such as mental illnesses, physical illnesses. And this is just a reflection of how disconnected we are. When we come to reconnect with the rhythms and the essence of nature, we can begin to find that healing and assist our emotional maturity and resilience so the earth can also help and recalibrate herself. Mm. It's powerful to think about that because you said something about climate change. A lot of us are talking about 20 years from now, 10 years from now, this is going to happen. What do you mean that it's already here? We can see it all over the world. There are so many natural disasters. I do a lot of work with the communities in the Amazon, and we see a lot of the challenges that the communities are having, such as water pollution, um, a lot of deforestation of the land. The rivers are beginning to dry up. And this is just a symptom of what we've been supposedly preparing for. But again, it's already here. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's liver detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digest 
digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's liver detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. What do you mean then we need to recalibrate as Earth is recalibrating? What does a recalibration even look like for us as human beings? It's a great question. So the earth goes through cycles and many generations ago, it went through a cycle similar to this. And when we are not moving in rhythms of nature, seeing the, the different movements of the seasons, the day, understanding a lot of these ancient technologies of calendars that different communities work with, those are technologies that guide us to come back to understanding how the earth is moving. So as she is going through this process of change, just like when we begin a new chapter, a new experience, we have to find our rituals, our habits. And in that same way, uh, as she's going through these changes, we ourselves are influenced by it. And if we're not consciously aware of that, it's going to create a shock in the system. So this emotional resilience, this emotional maturity is just understanding how these changes are influencing us directly. And what is the environment that we need to cultivate um, harmony for ourselves? This is powerful to think about because what you're saying and implying is that we as human beings are so in touch with nature that the rhythms of nature mirror the rhythms of us. It, they don't even mirror, they are us. So how do we know in our bodies that we're so out of rhythm and we need recalibration? This is a beautiful question. Um, I've had psoriasis since I was 15 and... For a long time, it was difficult for me to come into terms that this was a message from my body, and I tried to fight it and, you know, use all these different creams and all these different ways. And after a while, I realized, like, my body's telling me something, so can I tune in and listen? And it's helped me maintain a healthy lifestyle through all of my teens, which is not always easy, you know, when you're 16, 17, trying to find your way in the world. And it also helped me understand when my body's out of harmony, I would have you know, breakouts. And this is just a sign like you need to come back to your rituals. You need to come back to your healthier habits. So I feel that our bodies are messengers and these different uh, illnesses that we have, they're letting us know that something is out of balance. And for that, there's always something on the earth that, you know, plants or, or different things that we can do to bring ourselves back into that harmony. It's funny when you say something like psoriasis, that is a visible manifestation that your body's talking to you, telling you, you are out of rhythm. And it's interesting this morning, right? Um, and I do this as part of my morning rituals about getting in the body. So I put my hands on different parts of my body, from my root to my stomach to my heart to my throat, right? Especially there, those points being really important to get in my body and then I'll meditate and get in my ethereal third eye, all that other stuff that we talk about. Um, 
But getting in my body, it's interesting when I keep my hand over one spot and I actually feel the weight of my hand there and then I feel that part of my body supporting the weight of my hand and I start like bringing my consciousness right to that spot, I'll start getting images or hearing phrases and I'll be like, what was that? It's sort of like when you're tuning a TV and it's like, and then it's like, oh, the Yankees win by five and then you keep changing and changing. And when I think about it, it is the way the body talks and the body talks for me, not through blatant direct uh, clues, but through symbolism, just mm -hmm. like dreams. It, we have images that sort of make sense, but whatever they mean to us is what the body's communicating. So it's interesting, I'll be at my heart and I'll see myself hugging or I'll hear a hug or I'll, or, and I'll be like, who do, I need to, who do I need to hug? And then I'm like, oh shit, that's me. I just need to hug myself. And I know it's a little cheesy, but it's really powerful because it's exactly what your body needs. So this is what I try to tell people is connecting to the body is an essential way because now you listen to the whispers before something like psoriasis outbreaks or before eczema outbreaks or your gut issues come back or your throat, your, your thyroid starts coming. You see what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. there's a whisper before it's a yell. We in humanity go, oh shoot, it's yelling at me. And then even better, we go to the doctor and get medicine to shut up the yells instead mm -hmm. of listening to the yells. So it's really powerful how the body's communicating. And you and I both share this psoriasis story. I remember when we were in the Amazon, there was uh, plants, special plants that were made by the indigenous for us for psoriasis. And it's been really helping you. What is how disconnected are we from plants? What is the wisdom of plants? Why are we undervaluing them? Uh, how should we connect to them? And how powerful are they really in our lives? I think they're an essential aspect of our existence. And, you know, they are so supportive in so many ways. They can guide us through dreams to understand how to uh, balance our emotional body, our mental body, and also our physical body. I've had, as I mentioned, psoriasis since I was 15. And within the last year, I can see that I've been able to eat differently, but still my body's actually getting better. And it's because of all this, these different medicinal plants that they're using in the Amazon. And they use them in different combinations. It's not just taking them in, but it's communing with the plants. So I think our approach to, to the plants is also something that we need to look into. It's not just understanding how they support us physically, but there is an exchange that happens. Mm. So the medicine man that we were with, Manari Ushiwa, he's a great mentor of mine. He's become like my second dad all these years. And something that he shared with me recently is the understanding that there's an exchange that happens when we commune with plants. Like when we start drinking a plant or uh, meditating with a plant, they carry a spirit and energy just like we do. And so in this physical reality, it just seems like there's just something that we're intaking. But when we look at the world of spirit, that vision of the natural world, there's an exchange, a sense of communication, just like we're communicating here. And from that space of exchange, it's not that they're just giving us uh, physical or spiritual benefits, but we're also providing them with information. And in that exchange of information, Manari says that there's a new door that opens, a new wisdom that opens up. And we see how there's so much, as we mentioned, uh, disharmony right now in the world. So when we activate this connection with plants, it's bringing the new instructions on how do we harmonize all of this imbalance that it's happening for our individual being, but also for the collective. Mm. So we are inevitably connected to plants. We've just 
felt in the illusion that we're disconnected, but it's always there. And, and it, it's, in, it's interesting, a little practice that I've been doing when I uh, will walk my dog, I'll go around the block and whatever like tree I'm drawn into, I know I look like a crazy man doing this too, I'll, I'll, my dog will stop and I'll put my hand on the tree, right? And I'll just try to tune in what is the, what do I feel? Right? And this is a way that I sort of stay connected to nature and plants. What do I feel of this tree? Okay, it feels, ooh, it actually kind of feels twisty and turny and playful, like very light energy from this tree. Whereas right up the block, I can put in, I'm like, whoa, this one is like powerful, sturdy, like kind of even like grumpy grandfather energy, right? Like just like, I'm here, I've been here, you know what I mean? You're in my neighborhood energy. And I was like, whoa, you know? But when you trust what your intuition is, when you trust what you're seeing without thinking logically, like, what did I just hear? Or like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm making things up. When you start differentiating between like, is this my mind running with a story versus just what I feel? Mm -hmm. That's when I think is like the gateway to start connecting back to, you know, your true essence and your connection to nature and plants. Um, do you do any practice like that? Or am I the only crazy person on no. in this side of the town that's doing it? <laughs> no, I'm definitely there with you. But what comes up for me is what at what point did you realize that connection? In the Amazon. Mm. Right? So I was so influenced by seeing uh, Manati and his crew go around the Amazon jungle and so definitively with confidence say, this plant is for this and this is the spirit of this plant. And I'm like, what do you mean? How do you know the spirit of this plant so like to the T? And he's like, oh, this one is very playful. This one wants to communicate. This one wants to give its fruits or whatever. This one is a very powerful plant, right? And, and to hear, I mean, it makes sense. They've, they've been passing these plants on, on their hikes. They've been connected to this since childhood. This is part of their world, right? Just like we're connected with social media, we know how to navigate Instagram with our eyes closed and navigate Facebook with our eyes closed, right? They know how to navigate the connection with these plants. But that was most inspiring to me. It was like, wow, there's something here. They're so deeply connected to something that is them in the form of plant. So for me, I'm like, okay, can I step into a place of a healer going, okay, what does my body need? And I'm doing this even with food, right? Mm -hmm. Do I really want this spinach salad or do I want like a soup instead? Hmm, let me see, let me connect with my stomach. Oh, my stomach wants cold or warm? Warm, okay, warm, what kind of soup? What color am I getting? Orange, carrots, carrots, right? This is how I'm trying to listen to the body more. And I learned that through being with these people, these indigenous, we're so connected to earth. Is it, was it impressive the first time you saw how connected they are? Yeah, and it still is right now. And I love what you're sharing about being able to tune into, you know, your different layers of your being and letting them guide you. I feel that's one of the things that the indigenous communities have been guide, teaching me, you know, all this time of understanding how do we activate our inner leader instead of looking out for the guidance and the instructions, it's already within us. And what the plants are doing and what the indigenous communities are offering us is to activate that awareness, you know, that leadership. And as we move into this new layer of existence, I think that's something that will be essential. We can't look for the political leaders to guide us anymore. But what's the other option? So when we start communing in, in this way of understanding our personal responsibility within our environment, then we can really find the change and the interconnection, right? But it starts with that subtlety of understanding what's my yes? What do I really need? Am I going into autopilot or am I listening to my soul in this moment? Mm. And how viewers and listeners 
who are running to work and in the middle of the workday and then the kids crying in the background. How do we integrate a practice? Is there a practice that we can do that is that we can do every single day but doesn't take two hours or a day? Is there something that you know that's helpful or you've learned throughout your years that's helpful? Yeah, I mean, for me, cacao is like a huge, a huge part of my life. Uh, I started traveling and going to Guatemala and now I also go to Ecuador a lot. And I go into these places that, you know, ceremonies are four hours long. Um, we're very disconnected from the everyday life. But I also live in New York City and it's a very opposite, you know, experiences. And that's why I love going back to New York because I have to really integrate. It's beautiful to travel and expand ourselves in that way, but what are we doing with that? And what I find in New York, it helps me um, be able to tune in and receive all of those messages and be able to translate them into our everyday life. So when I'm back in New York, I work a lot with plants like cacao. Um, I also work with guayusa, which is a plant that comes from the Amazon of Ecuador. Um, I work with tobacco, which tobacco, when somebody hears it for the first time that may not understand the indigenous ways, it's like, isn't that like poisonous or it's, isn't it bad for you? But almost every indigenous culture has a relationship with tobacco, not the way that modern society consumes it, but in the, its natural form, it's a plant and it brings a lot of harmony to the body. So I don't smoke it, but the, I commune with the plant. Now, if somebody doesn't have access to any of these plants, we have something very powerful, which is our breath. And just like the, the practice that you were sharing of like feeling into the body, right? Like, where am I feeling this? Where am I feeling, if there's anger, where am I feeling it? What is causing that, right? What is the root? Because that's such, just a symptom. So I feel like just getting to know our breath and um, if we have a moment to, maybe it's not cacao or tobacco or wayusa that's calling you, but maybe it's a cup of chamomile tea and just taking a moment to say, thank you, thank you for this warmth. Thank you for the benefits that you're offering my body physically, emotionally, and mental. Because another beautiful teaching that I've learned from the indigenous communities is the aspect of gratitude. Just the simplicity of saying thank you allows us to open a new awareness, a new perspective of seeing the world in a different way. Mm. And it's funny because it's all over. I bet you even ancient cultures were talking about gratitude because uh, it completely shifts your frequency in your whole day. But I like what you said about the chamomile tea, and this is why it sticks with me, because something that chamomile, chamomile has its benefits, we know that it can help the body, but it can even be a cup of warm water with a little lemon, right? doesn't even have to have any herbs or spices. I think the intentionality breeds the space for the connection, right? If you make a cup of tea that's warm with a little lemon ceremonial for you, right? That means you're sitting down. That means your phone is across the room. That means the TV is off. That means it's quiet. That means you, the next eight minutes that you're going to drink this is for you and no one else. That really opens the space to be like, oh, okay, my body. What do I want? What am I gonna, what do I, do I even wanna do that today? God, this tea's good. Let me feel it going down my body. Ooh, my body feels good. Wait a minute, no, it doesn't feel good. I'm a little bit angry. <laughs> See, it's like that space is, is the power of, it, for me, it's like so much less all of the fancy stuff and you just take time for yourself in a ceremony. So for me, it's like what, what ritual or ceremony can you do for yourself every single day to create the space to just shut everything up? Yeah, and that reminds me of one other thing that I've been doing since I got back from my last trip. 
to the Amazon is sitting outside. I mean, I'm in New York. It still hasn't been that cold, but, mm -hmm. you know, it does get chilly there. And not, we don't always get the sun, but even on those cloudy days, I sit before I grab my phone and look at Instagram, you know, I sit there for at least five to 10 minutes. And that just changes my whole approach to the day because I'm not playing the catch up, but I'm actually receiving the day from this like tranquility space where I'm allowing myself to receive rather than trying to force things to happen. And it's such a simple thing of just sitting outside uh, on the balcony or even if we don't have, you know, if we're in a city and we don't have a backyard, just going outside and going for a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. So I'll walk the dog and I'll make a warm drink. And I'm like totally in my world, connected. I'm like, yeah, I feel so good. And then the dog's just like barking at a golden retriever across the street, breaking it. So that's me finding peace in the whole, the madness too. But um, yeah, it's going back to the rituals. Now you mentioned cacao. A lot of people are confused about cacao because when you say cacao, before I experience cacao, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'll go to Whole Foods right now. I can get a cup of cacao right now. I've had cacao. I mean, like, it's not, I feel it, but I don't feel it. Is there a difference in the spectrum of cacao? And what are the medicinal benefits of consuming cacao? Yeah, this is a great question. So I studied and, and worked with indigenous communities from Guatemala. There's 22 Mayan ethnic groups, and I, I worked with the Mayan Sutujil, which have been known since the beginning of time uh, to be working with cacao as a sacred plant. So they commune with the plant. What that means is, you know, drinking it, but also giving it as an offering to the land and sitting in rituals and ceremonies and allowing the, the process of drinking the plant to physically open us to the connection to spirit, to the natural world. And we can see in almost every culture, there's some sort of way that cacao has been introduced. But before it was introduced as something that we indulge in, um, although cacao comes from the Amazon through the trading system and moved up to Mesoamerica, where the Aztecs, the Olmecs, the Toltecs, um, they've, and the Mayas, they've used cacao in this way, in a ritualistic way. And there are many ways of, of connecting with the plant. I find that drinking it is the best way. But yeah, we see a lot of cacao powder or cocoa powder and all of these different ways of consuming the plant. Um, ceremonial cacao, it's semi-new to our society. Uh, but I always think of it when people try to tell me, what's the difference between ceremonial cacao and regular cacao? Our ancestors didn't have to label our food organic. It just came from the land and it was, you know, usually harvested in a agroforestry biodiversity land, meaning there was different plants that were growing there. There were no use of pesticides or chemicals. And so they knew that it would be good for you. As we begin to manipulate the land and the soil and the, the seeds, we've had to understand different categories for the way that we eat our food. Cacao is one of the crops that have also been manipulated. It's actually a fruit. Some people may not know that, but it's a fruit. And there are different types of cacao. We now, of course, have genetically engineered cacao. Um, one of them is CCN51, which is grown a lot in Ecuador. Um, and it's starting to be introduced in other parts of the world. So I think it's like the basic question is understanding where is your cacao coming from and what is the quality of the harvest? That's one of the main things. Because if you're growing it in a monocrop system, that means that there's no diversity on the land and it's affecting the soil and it will affect the benefits that the cacao has. But it's also affecting the land. 
So a beautiful teaching that the plants give us is that, again, we're so connected to nature. So if we are being influenced, so will the earth. And ceremonial cacao has incredible benefits. I mean, I really think cacao can save the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How so? Tell me. Well, it actually touches on every aspect of our human experience. It influences the soil, so it teaches us to work with regenerative practices. So there's a regeneration of the land, and that's essential right now for the world. Um, It affects our economic system and the way that import-export happens in different countries. For Africa, for example, it's one of the main exports, and it's also uh, affecting a lot of the national parks because monocrop systems have been happening for so long there. The fruits are no longer giving that much fruit, and so they have to go into protected sites, and they're deforesting a lot of the national parks. So even though on paper it seems that those places are still protected, if you physically go to them, there's a, a documentary series called Rotten, and they show, they have a whole episode on cacao, mm. and they show how all of these different parks have been affected. So that if we can, you know, choose with our dollar in that way to support communities that are working and, you know, these regenerative practices. And also a lot of the ceremonial cacao is grown in family farms. So it's, it becomes much more supportive for these places, these farmers that normally don't have access to be in the economic system in that way. And physically, I mean, cacao is preparing us in such a beautiful way for an emotional and spiritual experience. When, in, in the latter part, the emotional, spiritual experience, why do they say it opens your heart? Does it have an affinity for the heart center? Yeah, so on a physical level, cacao is a vasodilator. Uh, It has theobromine, which is an active compound that dilates blood vessels and stimulates blood flow. And so there's a lot of energy that's going to our hearts, and that is also bringing our emotional awareness because there's so much happening in this part of our bodies that we start feeling a lot here but also energetically, it's opening us up. Uh, Another compound that's in cacao is magnesium, which is essential for homeostasis. You know, it allows us to relax the muscles, the joints, the nervous system. Um, It's also helping us in ATP production and regulation. So it regulates our energy levels and it allows us to feel like this beautiful expansion of energy and focus. But then through the magnesium, we're relaxing our bodies and we can surrender to the experience. Mm, I'm thinking about my experience and it was exactly that. <laughs> now we know scientifically what's happening, right? Because I, I did feel the heart, and a lot of activity in the heart area. If you tune into the body, it's like, I'm like, whoa, what's happening? And, but there's, a, um, there's like a sharpness that you feel, like I'm focused, but it's so relaxed in the body. It's like... And then the emotion. I mean, the first cacao ceremony I ever did was in Portugal, and there was a medicine man singing, and he was from Argentina. And I I drank the cacao, and that's my first time having ceremonial cacao. And I drank the cacao, and uh, even before we drank it, he had us put it to our head and say the things that we're grateful for. I mentioned this to you a while ago. And then we drank it. And I remember he started playing. As soon as I started, it's funny because people were drinking at different times. As soon as I drank it, he started playing. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. interesting. You know, like everything's synchronous. And then he started playing it. And I felt this flood of emotion because the music that he was playing felt very ancestral. 
So it was like there was a buzzing happening through my body. It was like, yes. And and I asked him, like, this is the music from the Andean Mountains, right? Mm. And and I was like, he's like, yeah. And it was like, I felt it. It was like all through my body. And then I was like, am I going to cry? I was like, do I feel? And then it was, I just felt like my eyes started watering because it was such appreciation for something so beautiful. And the irony is, is that like, we're always surrounded by art. It doesn't have to just be music. And something like cacao, or we can even do once a week, taking time for us and then appreciating what's around us. It opens up that space for tying it back, gratitude. It's like, I'm just grateful that this guy's over here playing music that is so beautiful, you know? I'm like, I'm grateful for me, my heart's open. I'm grateful to be here. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focus. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. This gratitude, I think, is, is so important. Um, before I go into my personal one, one of the elders that I worked with, he recently transcended about a year and a half ago, but he was um, Tata Pedro Cruz, who's an elder from the Mayan tradition. He would wake up as the sun rose every day and would give his offering to the sacred fire. For the Mayan tradition, the fire is like the channel of communication between this physical world and, and the other side, the natural world. And he would give his offerings and, and give thank you to the day. So in the Maya tradition, every day, there's a different energy that moves through the collective. That's why I call it a technology because it's assisting us in understand to have this access to the natural world. So for example, today is the energy of E as we're, as, as we're having this conversation, which is about the sacred path. So he would say thank you and give offerings to the fire. Thank you for the day, for the sun, for the moon, for these things that are all around us. And when we say thank you, we open ourselves to acknowledge them 
and to bring them into our experience. Mm. So from that, I've learned a lot about sacred reciprocity. When I go to a new place, for example, I always have these different offerings as a symbol, usually plants, as a symbol of saying thank you to the land and asking the, the people. So every place that we are on, they carry guardians, right? Like people who have lived before us that commune with the land and tended to the land. So I, one of my, my regular practices is going to new place and giving offerings and saying thank you. But then also on my own, I'd love to just write three things I'm grateful for, you know, five things I'm grateful for each day. Mm, easy. Yeah. Right? You don't need to wake up at five in the morning, although that's really cool to start a little fire and do a little offering. Um, I think about when I was in Topanga living, you know, it's funny, your surroundings play to your capability to do all of these even further rituals. Because for me, I had all of these plants and trees, like giant sequoias right in my front yard. And Topanga's a mountain around here. Mm-hmm. And I'd come out and I would put my hands on the ground and then just like close my eyes and I wouldn't do anything more than just saying what I'm grateful for and doing my own offering, just like bowing to each and every one of the trees in my front yard, right? Because mm. they saw me every day doing my rituals and I put my feet on the ground. Um, now that I don't live surrounded by all those trees, I live right in Venice, which is a little more city-like or more concrete, I do it in the shower. I'll be in the shower mm. and I'll be like, okay, I am grateful for, and then I'll think about, this is my end of the day shower before bed all the things that I did, all the things that, that I was blessed with today, right? Just small stuff. You know, I'm really grateful that that Uber driver was just really cool. We had a nice conversation. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm also grateful for the way that I showed up today and like the way I showed up on the podcast and all that information. And, and it's funny because like, I'm, I'm grateful for the things around me and then it always comes back to it. I'm grateful for parts of myself that I showed up that I'm proud of. What a gift it is to just come back to yourself at the end of the day, whether you write it, whether you say it out loud, you know, it's like a reminder that you're pretty cool. You are, right. you know, you're doing pretty damn good, right? Yes, it's, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you are too, but it's beautiful. Um, so, you know, you, you've been in these communities that have been around for so long, that are so connected and that are so wise, right? I, I did my show just on the indigenous when I came back from uh, Ecuador to talk about what I saw and what I learned from them. But are, are there any teachings that have really just like stuck to you, have really blown your mind, have really just like, God, man, they have it figured out. Are there any things that stuck with you over the years since you've been inundated with all of these wonderful communities? I mean, so much. There's, there's so many teachings in these ways, but it's very simple. You know, we complicate ourselves a lot in this modern society, but they go back to the simplicity and also the activating the imagination. There's one thing about cacao that is beautiful, which is activating the innocence within us. There's a lot of people that say it brings you to connect to your inner child, that motherly energy. And somebody in, in a, one of my ceremonies a long time ago was saying, you know, it's the innocence that the children carry. When we are born, we haven't been polluted by society's norms and conditionings. So we're very uh, pure in our ways. And our, act, and our imagination is so active, right? And we can create a whole world out of our imagination. If we look at it from the indigenous ways, that is the connection to what Manari and the Sapara tradition call Makihauno, the world of dreams. And for the Sapara and many of the Amazonian communities, they say that we live to dream and we dream to live. 
So these parallel realities are just as essential. Through our conditionings, we have kind of created, um, we have put that part of ourselves to sleep. And when we go back to the indigenous ways, as we start understanding their different modalities, we started kind of amplifying that place of imagination, of creation. It's also creativity, you know? And I find that as I open myself to that, the, the subtleties, the synchronicities, uh, the awareness of this physical reality has also amplified. And the children get it, you know, because they haven't, again, been so, um, so asleep from just this modern society. So I feel just going back to the mystery of life and going back to the simplicity of life. You know, how can we make our, our daily practice more simple? and more more nourishing? How can we make our daily habits more simple? And technology shows that, that in a little bit, but somehow we layer it more with complexity. <laughs> yeah, we do, because that's what we love doing. <laughs> Let's just make it way harder, right? Yes. What, I, what I was really striking to me was the stark contrast between the way we live in society and within a day of being there, not only the indigenous connection to nature, but the indigenous connection to the simplicity. We are convinced we need so much here, so much, right? And then I'm there and I was like, we don't need anything. We need community. We need earth, we need sun, right? We need sleep, we need nourishing food and we need connection to nature. And, and seeing how happy this community is. They, they don't suffer with mental health issues out there. We suffer with mental health issues out here because we've been drawn with society's conditioning and the stories about what we be, need to be, do, say, and have. And that restriction, it causes us so much, con so much constriction in our body. But to be there, I was like a breath of fresh air because I was like, oh, yeah, none of that matters, huh? I was like, wow, all that money doesn't matter. All the status and accolades don't matter. Interesting. I was like, none of it matters, you know? And... I, I took a lot of that with me. I mean, immediately I, I couldn't do it until the end of the year because I made bookings for all of my work till the end of the year. But starting the new year, there's going to be just the essentials and simplicity. And one thing I was inspired when I was there was to say uh, no to a lot. Mm. So I've been saying a lot of no because simplicity is something I value a lot more. I threw away so many supplements when I got back from Ecuador because <laughs> I was like, I don't even use this. I was like, what is this exotic herb? I don't even, I've had this since 2019. Garbage, you know? So I would say like 80% of my supplement cabinet, it's still a lot, but 80% is gone because I was like, wow, I don't need all this. And how much and how powerful it is to purge, even your closet. Do you need all of that? Do you even wear this? It's why people where they're like, oh, I straightened up my room and I threw out spring cleaning and now like, I feel so good. It's like, duh, because yeah. we're reminded that we don't need all of that. And we just need community, food, sun, sleep, nature, right? Peace. And imagination. And imagination <laughs> as, and to go back to that. Because that, I think, creates room for more imagination. How good do we feel when we're in imagination and creativity? How do we start that? How do we, how do we, because there's viewers and listening going, when I was a kid, man, I drew all these pictures and I wrote all these stories and I created whole kingdoms in my head to the detail. How the heck do we make room for that in our old age now? Yeah, I mean, 
what what you're sharing just makes me feel so liberated. Just from hearing it, it makes me feel so liberated. Like when you detach yourself from these things that we make in our mind that we need. And then as to the imagination, I would have never imagined my life to be what it is today if I tried to plan it. You know, and I feel when I let go of, of who I am, and I know it's easy to say, it's a lot more difficult to put into play, but when I started walking this path, I had no idea, you know, of the ways of the indigenous communities. And I just opened myself to the possibilities. And I kept saying yes to the things that mattered. Like when I felt it in my body and I felt it in my heart, it was a yes. And it, half of the time, it did not make sense on a logical level because I'm not living from my mind. You know, and that's another thing that I'm, I've really learned from the indigenous communities. It's living from the heart space. Sounds super cliche, but it's allowing ourselves to tune into the emotional body as a guide and an instructor. Mm. So activating the imagination, I think that's a really beautiful question. I feel when we are born, um, you know, the indigenous communities also tune into this especially the Mayan tradition with the Cholquich, the lunar calendar, they say all the stars align for us to carry a specific purpose. So when we are so pure in our soul as, as a child, we understand that. And that's why we're so creative and we have all these callings to do certain things. And then we start having conditionings and, and they kind of put that to sleep. So we lose touch of that. And there's usually a void that comes with it, a certain depression, um, a yearning for something more that we try to find in the external world. And when we go back to those desires that we had as a child, for example, maybe like singing or, or drawing, and we start creating that as a, not just a luxury, but a necessity for our bodies to evolve, I feel our life, our approach to life will be a lot different. Mm, so easy when you think about, all right, let me, I used to draw when I was little, let me put out the canvas, let me put out markers, let me put out pencils. Maybe I won't do it today, but let me just put out this week and see if I'm called to it, right? Or get in the shower, sing a song, get in your car, sing a song, right? Start singing more. Um, for me, I would write, I would write horror uh, novels when I was a kid, well, not novels, like five pages, I'd write a story. Most of it was just... Um, taken from another movie just with new characters <laughs> for the same idea I didn't understand about copyright back then. But I would, I would make a, a, write a whole uh, story, like a, a basically a movie, and I'd, I'd staple it and write the title, and I'd make copies of it, and I'd give it to kids in my class. So they'd get, like, spooky movies, which is interesting because I'm always drawn to, like, spooky movies. Like, I've always been since I was young. The, um, but coming back into that place is really powerful because now it's like, okay, maybe I can leave my laptop open for a day and ty type in, you know, just write a little bit, write a little, little, just story out of nowhere. Um, so easy for us to just come back to if we create the space for it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how we inside, oh, I don't have time for that. I have to actually finish my report or I have to send a few emails. I have to put up an Instagram post. I have to do all these things that are so not us. But what you're saying, again, comes back to the theme of simplicity. Just going back to the place, what did you love as a child? What was innocent about you? Where was your imagination? I love that we're talking about ima imagination because we haven't really talked much about this on the show. What will we find when we are in our imaginations? What will change in our bodies or in our lives? Well, when I hear what you're sharing, I feel that we have been given this gift of life 
And our personal responsibility is putting that sacred reciprocity, as we were talking about earlier, into action. And it's not about doing, but it's about being in that space of what we came here to do. We might not know on a logical level what that means. So when we activate that process of imagination, we receive the instructions. We don't have to figure out what it looks like. We just have to say yes and do our part. I love the law of attraction. I also feel that it left a, a huge part, which is our commitment to it. So we see something that we feel could be possible. We have to put our part and say, you know, I show up with consistency every day to do this and not to force it, but to put in my, my little weaving right, of the process and then trusting that it's also being worked on on the other side. Mm. So I feel when I started working with Cacao, I was working at a restaurant. Um, you know, I was into wellness and I was a yoga instructor, but I wasn't doing any of that um, as, a, as work. You know, it was something that I left to the side. I used to be terrified of public speaking and I would start sweating. I remember in high school when I had to talk. So doing ceremonies was like way out of the question. But I remember like feeling so called when I had my first cacao ceremony and I just felt at home for the first time. I was very far from Argentina, which is where I was born, very far from the United States, which is where I grew up. I was in the middle of Guatemala, middle of nowhere. I didn't know anyone there, but I was home. I was home in my body and my temple for the first time in a very long time. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to come back to. And mm. I knew it didn't have to be a physical location. And when I felt that, I realized we're not given the opportunity to, to imagine this into reality, you know? And it's not one way. I have people all the time asking me, like, like I want to serve cacao. Like, how do I do it? Where, where do I go? I have done so many different things that train me to be where I am today. And it will be very different for the next person. But I think when we start opening ourselves to seeing our environment, not just from what we're seeing here right now, but allowing ourselves to have that child mind mentality in the approach of how we are coming through, the world will change because our perspective to it and our relationship to it will change. Yeah, and we're so used to growing up uh, planning and having the belief that this is one way Actually, this is, you know, this brings us to ayahuasca. This is what came up for me. It was like, for me, there was less visuals and more just pounding of a phrase. And this is often what happens in mushrooms with me, too. It's very clear. And all I hear was, you don't trust yourself. You don't trust yourself. You don't. And an hour and a half into it, I was like, what don't I trust? They're like, you don't trust yourself. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, yes, it is. I know I don't trust myself. I was like, please don't bring me to the darkness again. Um, but it brings it to, to the fact that we as adults... Uh, it's funny that we're talking about it, like we as adults who, who think we have it figured out, but in many ways have to come back to us as kids in adult bodies with the imagination because in this process, it was very clear. It was like, when I want to create or do something, there is my vision of it, exactly how I'm going to do it, and then the end result. And with ayahuasca, it came back and it showed me very clearly, it's like, you don't have to enforce your will up this hill all the way to your result, right? Because for me, it's like there's, there might be easier, softer paths that are smoother, but no, I'm going to push that rock so hard so it goes my way only, and it ends up in my adult, stubborn result. That's the Leo in you. It's the Leo, right? It's the Leo. <laughs> I it's can like, relate. It's a, yeah, you can relate, right? So 
it was beautiful because it was like, no, understand that you may have figured out your way, but there are 20 different routes that are completely different that you couldn't even have imagined. You could meet someone in a completely different industry who, who, whose, whose brother works in the same exact result that you want to create. You see, it's like interesting because I saw that there was webbing, not just one path, but webbing around it. So coming back to the imagination part, coming back to the simplicity, coming back to the surrender, it's like, what do you want to create? What do you want to bring to the world? Is it heart-centered? Is it from your passion? Is it from what you want to, what you want to exemplify in this world? And then allowing the things to come to you exactly how it's trusting that it's coming yourself and the world around you that it's coming, that it's already unfolding, it's already made material through the energetic world, right? And allowing space for it to just unfold the way that is the most efficient, powerful way, the way that you're supposed to experience instead of enforcing your will like we do as adults and plan and plan and plan. So. That was probably the biggest teaching. Have you ever had a teaching like that with ayahuasca or was it just me in the corner going through my experience, if you remember? Yeah, no, I mean, so much is coming up when you share this. I feel one is how the plants communicate. You know, that was a beautiful example of they don't just, we can't have a conversation with them in the way that we're having here now, but it doesn't mean that they're not communicating with us. And one of the things that Manadi has allowed me to understand through connecting with my dreams and consciously approaching the world of dreams when I go to sleep is a, the understanding of the communication of the body, the different sensations that begin to rise as the environment around us begins to communicate. And the plants are doing that. I'm so happy to hear that she was so loud. I know it's uncomfortable, but so loud, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're always communicating with us. When we're connecting with a plant and we open ourselves to... Um, the world spiritual is like so overused in our modern society, but in the Mayan tradition, spirituality is not talking to a how creator, God, source energy, or um, saying what we need, but it's creating a conversation with spirit. And so it's also learning to listen through the signs around us, the different, the way that for them, the fire moves, the way that an animal might show up in that moment or how in your cacao ceremony, the music began as you took your first sip. That's a conversation. And I find that we, when we start opening ourselves to the subtleties of the communication with plants in our environment, we begin to activate that process of imagination in a different way. And we start approaching our life from the, the world of the heart. And that's, if we want to move into a new reality, it's essential, mm. you know. A redefining of spirituality. I remember you said something like that in our retreat, uh, and it really struck home because it's less like, I understand consciousness and I understand God, versus like, no, it is a conversation with spirit and seeing spirit in everything. Seeing that God is the plant, right? God is the tree, God is the dirt, God is the sky. God is the bottle of water that was inspired to create that design through someone. Right? It's interesting when you think of all objects, inanimate and alive, that all carry the consciousness of life, which is beautiful. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, 
right? We have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Peori's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Peori is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Peori.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peak's Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's this esoteric illusion. It's actually something very practical. Very practical. Yeah. It's something that we don't have to go into the jungle like you and me and do ayahuasca, although, man, that was powerful. It's quite a journey. <laughs> it's quite a journey. Uh, you know, one thing that always I remember is, for me, when I do any medicine, psychedelic, I am like a rock. It's very hard for me to move. I don't understand how people, like, get up and move their body and make sounds and, you know, like, are just dynamic. I never understood that. If I get it, I'm laying in one position for eight hours like a dead body, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a funny story is I remember I didn't even hear people getting up. And I, I feel you come next to me and you put your hand on my chest and you go, hey, you go, Christian, are you, are you feel, do you feel called to still lay down and, and be here? And I go, huh? I go, what do you mean? I thought we were having ayahuasca <laughs> experience. And then you're like, you know, people are leaving now. And I look up and like there's two people there. It's me and like someone <laughs> else. And I was like holy moly, this stuff is still really, like, hit me hard. That's a sensitivity to it. But it was, like, a funny m memory I have 
of how powerful ayahuasca was as a teacher. You know, and for me, knock on wood, maybe not this time around, I didn't have a very, very scary experience because what I found, and a lot of people might be viewing and listening, going, I want to do ayahuasca. What I found is the moment I started in it, and it hit me, and it hit me fast, because if you remember the circle, I was the first one to, to take yes. it. And um, I was like, no, but I have to go to the bathroom. So I, I went to, to, to pee. And as I was peeing, I was like, whoa, I feel it coming on. I got to go. I got to go. So I came back to the circle, and I laid down. And as soon as I felt it coming on, I was, there was a little, there's always that little bit of panic. And when, for me, or a lot of people, when they take psychedelics, I know I hear the same thing. It's like, oh, my ego, my ego, I want to hold on. I can't control this. I, do I want to go back? Do I want to do this? What did I sign up for? And then it's either like surrender or have a bad trip. And it was like, I always let go. I'm just like, all right, if I die, I die. You never end up dying. But one beautiful thing was in that moment, as I was in that experience, it was pulling me into this dark place. Mm-hmm. And I was, and it's because I kept trying to control. I didn't want to surrender. And the moment things started getting dark, like Stranger Things, actually, everything was getting mm-hmm. dark and like everything alive around me was dying in my mind's eye. And I was like, no, 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 I surrender. I surrender. <laughs> I am here. Listen, listen, grandmother or mother, whatever you are, I am here to listen. Because it was like the dynamic of me as a little kid wanting to just push, like, I want to go here now. I want to go here now. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, but I'm going to listen the whole time, and that set the dynamic. So I don't know, my piece of advice to everyone is if you do ayahuasca, surrender and listen to what needs to be shown because the moment you start to control, you go in a pit and you don't want to be in that pit. Have you ever had that dark experience with it? I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it can get heavy. Yeah, and it stays with you. Um, I think the biggest part is also who's holding the container. You know, I feel when when you're in the jungle, you have the spirits of the forest that are assisting you. And there's this, like, support that allows you to to fully surrender. Um, I've had one experience that was really, really, really hard. Probably the hardest experience of my life. And it wasn't with the the elders that, that I, we worked with. It was in another community. But it was definitely that process of controlling. And it's also the... I was trying to do too many things at once, like working with, I work with two communities that became like my mother and my father, and that's my family. So working with a third community, even if I wasn't going to be studying with them and their cosmovision, it was just too much at once to bring into my, my consciousness. So I think understanding like what you're saying yes to when you decide to go into the world of ayahuasca, who you're sitting with, you know, who's guiding you, because it's, the way that I see it is like if you go to a city that you don't know and you get a tour guide that shows you the way, with ayahuasca, most of our society has been disconnected from the spiritual connection that we're talking about, not seeing it as something esoteric, but something very practical. So we have to be shown how do we access these ways that is not a scary place, but it's actually very safe for us to explore. And what kind of doors are they opening? Because with every Icaro, the Icaros are the songs that are shared during ceremony. They're calling in different frequencies, different vibrations, different realities. So understanding of like who we're communing with when we sit with the plant, I think is so important. Mm, very important. And I, I love this point that you said. You can do it with a, a, a certain people, let's say a beautiful um, retreat in upstate New York or Malibu. But Again, the people have to be connected to nature. Most people are not connected to spirit of nature like 
the indigenous. For me, it was the most sacred thing in the moment. I wouldn't have done it any other way. In the moment to be in the Amazon, to, to everything starts hitting me. And then to know that I can open my eyes and literally the vine is like 20 feet away from me. And there was this beautiful moment in this experience where I was deep in it. And then I heard like the crickets and I heard the uh, frogs. I heard all the animals. And I was reminded that the Amazon River was 10 feet away or 20 feet away from me. And I hear the water and I was like, oh my goodness. It was a realization that everything was in harmony. It was all of a sudden the difference between hearing random sounds in nature and hearing an orchestra. It's like you realize that nature is a whole musical orchestra. All of the sounds you hear, even the water that you hear, is an orchestra. And then the realization that I have, I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm part of this orchestra. I was like, wait a minute. Everything makes sense. I was like, <laughs> I'm not listening to nature. I am nature. I am this experience. I am the orchestra. I'm not the observer of the orchestra sitting in the seats. I'm literally in the music. And that was so fucking mind-blowing. I was like, mm. how can I ever have done this experience anywhere else? You have to be near the plant. You have to be where it grows. You have to be with people who understand the integrity, the frequency of what they're singing, of what they're putting out there. So it puts you in the place of that remembrance. Because to be honest, it didn't get too dark for me. And I think that a big part of it was because I was so safe with what was around me and the people around me. This is not to be taken lightly. If you're going to do ayahuasca, make sure that you do your research. You don't go with any random Joe Schmo in New York City. You make sure, I would highly recommend being with the plant, being in nature, being surrounded by all of it so you can truly be in its highest essence. Yeah, and the other thing, I love what you're sharing. I think the other thing is the preparation process. You know, you can diet beforehand and all that, but from the moment that we got to the jungle, we are already preparing for the medicine. And what I love about the Sabara tradition is that they don't make the plant the end result. You know, if you if you think about the whole journey, like the medicine was part of it, but it wasn't like the only thing that we we didn't go to the jungle to drink ayahuasca. It happened to be a facilitator to expand our awareness to the relationship with spirit. And you got the message. It's one thing to talk about we're connected to nature and to describe it in certain ways. But um, I always think of that description of like if you have never tasted an apple, you can describe it, but it won't you won't understand. And I'm not saying that. Everybody needs to drink ayahuasca. That's, there's many ways of connecting to that connection that you had. I am part of nature. And we have different um, access points to that. But that was the end result, right? Like, it wasn't about what the plant was, but more about what is she teaching you. Mm -hmm. And from the moment that we get there, we're cleansing ourselves. We're disconnecting from the modern society and all of these things that we're living here. And we start from a neutral space of getting to know nature. And then we connect to the world of dreams. They bring our spirit to connect to this, the world of dreams. We start getting interpretations of the dreams to understand what's happening there, to open ourselves to understand there's a connection to that part of ourselves. And the connection to nature, we get to see the way that the trees move and the way that the birds are there, the water's coexisting with us. So all of these pieces allow us to, when we arrive to the medicine, we're fully present. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. And it was beautiful to 
have that intentional, we did like, a, I don't know, four hour hike in the Amazon. You know, that was the best thing. Although how grumpy I was because I wanted food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were fasting and how exhausted my body was from so much hiking. And although we had a downpour of rain and we were going through the muck and I was just spent by the time we were ready to do it that my body was so tired that my ego wasn't even wanting to come up and resist. It was like, oh my God, I don't even have the energy to resist right now, which was so well played because it was like, here you are now doing this medicine where people oftentimes have so much resistance, which leads them to this dark place of control and not being able to surrender, not being able to listen and being shaken up. And like you said, one of the hardest experiences of your life, I was listening to Megan Fox and she was on Instagram and she's like, oh yeah, I went to hell on ayahuasca. And she's like my own literal (laughs) personal hell and I was there. And I had to see myself and I had to experience the parts of me which I wasn't listening to. And of course she transcends out of it. Um, But it was really just powerful to to have that experience. But um, so you're doing a lot of things, okay? Um, people viewing and listening, they go, okay, I really vibe with this girl. I want to meet her. I want to do a cacao ceremony. I want to check out her Instagram. How do people connect with you? Yeah, so I guess Instagram is our, I love Instagram because it's like our avatar. (laughs) So Florencia.Friedman is um, the best way. Um, I love connecting with spiritual practices with, you know, the indigenous ways. I think going back to this new dream, um, you know, I love Charles Einstein and how he shares in his book, A Beautiful Dream Our Hearts Know Is Possible. I think we are in that space right now and going to the ancient ways, connecting with the indigenous communities and activating their cosmovision to remember our own and this exchange that could take place is the way that we're going to go into this new reality. So uh, cacao is definitely a way, but then, you know, connecting to our dreams is another. Creating community is a huge part because it's not about just having a dream and, and forcing ourselves into it. But what is your community um, like? What is the environment that you're nourishing? Um, I know I'm deviating, but I want to share mm. one last thing before I lose it. When you were describing the connection that you had with ayahuasca, I feel um, the way that a plant grows is a really beautiful description of how we can connect to this approach of the law of attraction and our relationship to imagination. And when we have a desire to do something different, how do we approach it? Because if you see the way that a seed grows, it needs soil that is nourishing, that it hasn't been, um, you know, used with a lot of pesticides or chemicals, such as like the stress of our mind. But instead, it has a lot of nutrients. And that's our environment. Who is our community? Who's around us that is supporting the vision that we are wanting to activate for ourselves? And how are they nourishing our being? And then also understanding the, the way that we water our plant. We can't give it too much water. We can't take too much action into the desire that we have. But we have to show up with consistency in how we water that plant. And also give it space to grow. Sometimes it might seem like there's nothing happening, but underneath that soil, underneath the shadow, the darkness, there's this underlayer of how the roots, the foundation of the plant is being constructed. And then one day you see it blossom and it takes its time, but it, it's still, we can see the progress then. And that's when we're like finally semi-settled into what we're creating but then we know that there's still growth coming along. Mm. So nature is always teaching us the way that our human experience moves. And I think like opening ourselves to that is so important. 
So that's also a lot of my work. I do it in many different ways, but that's the essential. Like, how do we come back to understanding and listening to the teachings of nature? Mm, what a beautiful way to close that. That is the best analogy because I believe so much in nature showing us always about us. You know, if mm -hmm. we shut up and pay attention, we'll go, that makes sense about my life. Thank you, tree. You know, <laughs> yeah. thank you, cactus. I, I believe it. I believe it. Um, Okay, yeah, and cacao ceremonies. What if uh, someone's in New York and they want to be at one of your cacao ceremonies or one in California? How do we find out? Do you have a schedule out there or something? Yeah, so I post everything on my Instagram. I oh, also have a virtual community. Part of my mission has also been creating all the tools uh, that people need to be able to activate their leadership within society and the different skills. So I have a platform called Flourishing Oneness uh, or Florecer. And we do virtual circles twice a week. So people that want to commune with cacao, we have community from all over the world. Um, and then I have physical experiences as well. And then Cacao Laboratory, if they wanted to get to know cacao and get to experience it on their own. I love that. And are you doing another retreat in the Amazon, just like the one that I went to and did a little bit of medicine? Yes, we have one happening January 25th. Ooh, man, it's coming up. And, yes. and hey, listen, maybe... Maybe I'm there for that one, too. Would and maybe to we have you. some people come in there and have a nice experience because, man, I can't vouch for it enough. Hey, look, thank you so much. You are doing wonderful work in the world. I am such a fan of what you're doing for indigenous communities, for cacao, for humanity, for spirituality, for connection to plants, man, for everything, right? Um, the embodiment of all of that is in the form of this Argentinian Jersey girl who's sitting in front of me. Uh, so sweet, so heart-centered. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with all of us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Christian. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. All right, the merch has been live for a while now. People are loving it. A lot of hot items are selling, and we know the holidays are coming up. If you or your loved one, love Heal Thyself, want to represent all of the merch, all the swag here, look, check this out. We got the brown corduroy hat, one of my favorite ones. I'm about to take this home after the show and wear it. This is one of the hottest selling ones here, the army green Heal Thyself with the heart right on your heart space. We got hats, t-shirts, hoodies, we got crew necks, but here's my favorite part. They are all organic, all sustainable, all top quality, so they feel good on your body. You're representing, knowing you're not being exposed to all the crap that we talk about on the show and staying true in your authentic, healthy self. So go to hts.today, get your Heal Thyself merch. The holidays are coming. Represent Heal Thyself. Give it to your loved ones. Imagine your loved one opening that gift and they see that beautiful hoodie. They put it on, tag me in it. We'll share it, all the love, and thank you for representing. All right, you got two bean-shaped organs right in your back, lower back, and they are fascinating, and they are incredible. They are some of your hardest-working organs, and we forget to give them love. They filter the blood, but not only that. They help create red blood cells. They help keep our bones strong. They help balance blood pressure. You know the kidneys go through 40 to 50 gallons of blood per day in filtration. That's crazy. And then they create urine that's removing waste and excess water. It's going down the ureters, held in the bladder, and right out the urethra when nature's calling. Now, according to the CDC, a lot of people out there are suffering with kidney disease. Chronic kidney disease is very common among U.S. adults. 
more than one in seven adults have it. It's 15% of U.S. adults. 37 million people are estimated to have chronic kidney disease. And check this out, as many as nine in 10 adults with kidney disease don't even know that they have it. And two in five adults have severe kidney disease and don't even know they have it. Now, that's wild, but what do we need to look out for? What are some of the major symptoms, right? And look, if you're suffering with any of these, one, maybe two, it doesn't mean your kidneys are falling apart. I promise you that. But if you do recognize some of these things and it sounds like the picture that you've been suffering with, you gotta go to the doc and get them checked, okay? Nausea, vomiting, decreased energy, poor sleep, your loss of appetite, muscle cramps, swelling in your feet or your ankles around your eyes, dry, itchy skin, shortness of breath, trouble sleeping, urinating either too much or too little, and seeing foam in your urine means you're losing protein, very important to look at. But why do we develop kidney disease? Well, some of the main risk factors for developing kidney disease are really common in the United States. Diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and even a family history of kidney failure. And we know a lot of Americans suffer from these diseases. One of the major reasons why is because we just have a really inflammatory diet. The standard American diet is sad, and it's inflammatory, and it's causing a lot of pressure. Increased blood pressure, literally, but a lot in the kidneys. You see, the vasculature in the kidneys, right, the filtration system in the kidneys is very delicate. So throughout a lifetime, when it's being insulted over and over and over, what happens is those filtration nets, for lack of better terms, they begin to degrade, they begin to inflame, and they begin to break down. So the food in America is a big cause of it, but also we really accept the drinking of alcohol, which we know causes kidney issues. And to a lesser degree, we accept smoking, but those are big lifestyle choices that affect the kidneys. Now, there was a study at the University of Queensland, and researchers analyzed the link between pesticides exposure and the risk of kidney dysfunction in 41,847 people. And they use data from the United States National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Now, within these people, the ones that were exposed to a higher amount of the insecticide malathion, also known as maldison in Australia, had 25% higher risk of kidney dysfunction. Now, the quote from the lead doctor, Dr. Osborne, says this, Nearly one in 10 people in high-income countries show signs of chronic kidney disease, which is permanent kidney damage and loss of the renal function. And it's no surprise, we know that pesticides or environmental toxins that we're exposed to have an affinity for the kidneys, nephrotoxicity it's called. And we see that a lot in a lot of studies, nephrotoxin, nephrotoxicity. It's because the kidneys are part of your detoxification pathway for these water-soluble toxins. And a lot of these pesticides are water-soluble. A lot of them build up in the adipose tissue, yes, but a lot of them you just pee out, right? So we have to think about when you're removing it from your urinary tract, how it's affecting the tissues that it's coming into contact with. And inevitably, it's causing inflammation and damage. So another study in the Environmental Research and Public Health Journal said this, Organophosphate and pyrethroid groups of insecticides are most commonly used pesticides in agricultural and domestic settings. And multiple adverse effects of pesticide exposure on kidney function and structure have been identified in animal studies. We see a lot in animals, okay? And one 2015 study demonstrated that nephrotoxicity of pesticides triggered epigenetic effects and pathophysiological changes in the kidney. 
What that means is the more exposure to these nephrotoxic pesticides in these animals, it's literally changing the function of the kidney, the genetic expression of the function of the kidney because of these pesticides causing disruption. Continuing the quote, in addition, pyrethroid exposure in rats causes oxidative stress that induces tissue damage. And they mentioned chlorpyrifos, another pesticide that accumulates in adipose tissue in the liver and the kidney. And when it's exposed to the plasma membranes of the cells of the kidney, this causes tissue damage and loss of enzyme activity. So let me tie this all up in a, in a nice bow. What's happening is this. These pesticides that we're being exposed to through food and through water are having an affinity for the kidney. And when it reaches the kidney, what it's doing is it's causing genetic changes that are causing a functional change in the kidneys. But not only that, it's leading to the damage and loss of enzymes. So now the kidneys aren't even functioning efficiently. So they're inflamed, they're breaking down, and they're not even functioning the way they should be. So naturally, what are some of these toxins? Where are these pesticides found? Well, a lot of them are found in food. Things like basil, cilantro, mangoes, mustard greens, raisins, snap peas, frozen spinach, frozen strawberries, sweet bell peppers, apples, peaches, applesauce, popcorn, grapes, corn chips, apple juice. This is very common to find, and this is why I always talk about the importance of organic, eating organic, looking for the USDA organic label. It's very important because, unfortunately, a lot of these foods, especially the healthiest ones in the world, the fruits and vegetables, are really being oversaturated and exposed to these residues, which we're taking in that have an affinity for our kidneys. So we want to remove those water-soluble toxins, the ones that I mentioned, also glyphosate, looking for the USDA organic label. Also avoiding BPA, right? BPA is a big one. We talk about plastic, plastic lining, plastic bottles. We talk about receipts, anything that is going in plastic, or think about getting your coffee cup in the morning, right? You go to Starbucks, or you go to Dunkin' Donuts, or you go wherever you go, and you get your coffee, or you get your green tea, or you get your maca, and what happens is, they're putting it into what seems like a paper cup, but it's lined, right? And that lining, the styrene, the BPA, it's lined in there. And even if they use a BPA-free cup, and know that the analogs in there are the same thing, if not worse, than BPA. But then, even worse, we take the lid that is the soft plastic and we put it on top, and now you have this hot liquid, right? The moment you're drinking it, it's going through the lid and right to your mouth, it's an avalanche of pesticides and heavy metals that not only have the affinity for your kidneys, but also just disrupting your hormones, causing inflammation in the body, disrupting your gut, disrupting your brain. This is why we have to think about, and this is not even to mention what the tea's made out of or the coffee's made out of. This is just the container. Now think about adding in coffee. Now think about adding in green tea or matcha that is not tested for heavy metals. And many of these big chain coffee and tea places are not necessarily going for quality. They're not going for USDA organic certified teas and coffees. So I would really start thinking about your morning routine and can you maybe just do it at home? Make your own coffee, make your own green tea, make your own matcha, drink your own tea, but make sure it's high quality because it's an exposure that we expose ourselves to every day. And this is how environmental toxins build up in the body. It's an everyday thing, right? One exposure, you pee it out, you poop it out, you're fine. But after a while, when you're continuously exposed, this is how it causes a burden to our kidneys, our liver, our brain, and our whole body. What else do we look for in kidney disease? Heavy metals, arsenic found in rice and chicken, desiccants in cotton, 
herbicides, fruit juices, even water, lead, water, paint, cacao, fruit juices, baby foods, toys, pottery, ceramics, eyeliner, lipstick, even wild game, mercury, we find these in fish, amalgam fillings, and pesticides also. So let's think about this, because we can't escape everything, but what we can do is look for that USDA organic label. As always, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, for many, many years, calling companies, especially if you're using something every single day, like a powder, right, or, or a supplement, or a tea, or, or something you're being exposed to as part of your ritual, make sure that they're testing for heavy metals and make sure that it's at least under Proposition 65 because it builds up in the body over time. Very important. All right, what else? Just keeping your kidneys in tip-top shape is essential. You have two, yes, and they work at 200% capacity, and you could survive with one. But with that said, it's very important for your kidneys to get the proper love that they deserve. I've always been fascinated with traditional Chinese medicine's views on kidneys. And they see it as a storage of the substance called Jing. That's your life essence, which transforms into qi and blood. So this is where your life comes from. And kidney essence is critical for growth and development and normal aging. So the way that they view it, traditional Chinese medicine, is that you have to understand that the kidney is the house of life. So giving your kidneys love with the proper food and with the proper supplements or the proper whatever it may be and removing all the things that are causing distress is essential. So very important when you think about kidneys is removing the standard American diet, removing all of the high sugar foods, high inflammatory processed foods, right? The refined foods, the seed oils, right? Removing as many animal products, especially poor quality ones from your diet, things like milk, things like, you know, snack foods like tortillas or, or breads, and also removing all of the fruits and vegetables that are going to be sprayed conventionally and going for organic. So what do we eat then? All of the high-quality organic greens, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables. If you eat meat, wild fish, grass-fed, grass-finished, always very important for that. Uh, green tea and, or turmeric spices are so important. Rosemary, thyme, cayenne, turmeric, right? Uh, walnuts, almond butter, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds. These are beneficial because not only are they going to give your kidney love, but it, they're moving you away from the standard American diet. And even more importantly, they're helping balance your blood sugar. I did a few shows, listened to the ones with Will Cole. I did one on just metabolic health overall. Very important to understand that our blood sugar and how it is persistently. If it's spiking and falling, spiking and falling throughout the day, it's gonna have an effect, especially for the kidneys. It's adding a burden to it. Of course, sleep, exercise, we know those. So what about some supplements, right? I would be missing the boat if me as a naturopathic doctor, I don't talk about my favorite supplements for the kidney. But before I do, drinking high quality filtered water all the time, you, if you're in dehydration, your kidneys are going to suffer. Make sure that you're utilizing high quality filtered water, adding in minerals, talk to your doctor first. And remember, none of this is medical info. Talk to your doctor first. So some of my favorite supplements for kidney health, uh, magnesium or a mineral supplement. Some of my favorite herbs, horsetail, juniper, chanca piedra, uva ursi, hawthorn, cleavers, and corn silk. All of these are going to either be a kidney tonic. They're going to have an affinity for the kidneys to help nourish it to help repair, to help reduce inflammation, and many of these are gonna be helpful at cleaning out your lymphatic system. 
which is gonna be working closely with your kidneys. So making sure that you are giving, not only through exercise and movement, maybe you look for a supplement that is helpful for your lymphatic system, as well as helping clean out the kidneys. So everything's going and flowing. Don't hold in your urine. If you gotta pee, go pee. Make sure you drink a lot of water, cleaning it out over and over. Remember, dehydration is the enemy of the kidneys. Standard American diet is the enemy of the kidneys. Drinking, smoking, sedentary lifestyle is all the enemy of the kidneys. You wanna make sure you give it all the love so you have a long, healthy, healthful life. Love the kidneys. That's all the kidney love we're gonna to do today. Thank you so much for listening to this Knowledge Bomb.